This is Welcome to Dylan's House, our family's real-life story navigating autism and how it inspired us to pay it forward. Join us, meet us, give back. Dylan'sHouse.org. Welcome back to our podcast, Welcome to Dylan's House, our family's true, real, and raw story of navigating autism and how it inspired us to pay it forward. I am Kevin Shope, and I am joined by my lovely wife, Amy. Say hi, Amy. <laughs> hi. I know you were looking for a new adjective, but... I feel like it's just going to be lovely. I don't know. I feel like I could come up with a list for you of like at least 20 things that you could say. I'm going to consult a thesaurus or something to come Mm. up with some new adjectives. I'll help you out. Thank you for joining us. For those that have followed us this far, welcome back. For those that haven't, the topic of our podcast is our experiences raising our 22-year-old son, Dylan, who is autistic and at the more severe end of the spectrum. Um, and how that affected our family. We also have a 19-year-old daughter, Anderson, who is a sophomore in college. My wife and I have been married 26 years, together 30-plus years. Um, you know what happens tomorrow. What happens tomorrow? Oh, I know what tomorrow is. Right? This is a test. On the, so tomorrow uh, is... So we're recording the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, this episode, and the night before Thanksgiving is the anniversary of our engagement. Right. We got engaged the night before Thanksgiving. We did. Do you even remember what year? How many years ago? <laughs> or it had to have been the, like 28 years ago. That was 1995. That was 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was right. Right? So. So see? Thanks for putting me on the spot there. Of course. So what tonight ep- tonight's episode, we really want to cover or continue covering on our episode last time. We talked about the decision to transition Dylan out of our family home when he was 17 years old into, you know, an assisted living group home type situation. Supported. Supported living. Thank you. (laughs) I just don't want people to be confused. And we kind of led up to the transition and the day he moved out. And that's kind of where we ended the last episode. So I think we should pick up on that tonight Mm -hmm. and talk about kind of right after he transitioned, what that was like. And, and leading up to kind of where he's at today. Yeah. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone, if you'd like to find out more about us and about our journey, please check us out on social media, Dylan's House on Facebook. This is Dylan's House on Instagram. We're also on TikTok and LinkedIn. Please go in there and like and follow and all that good stuff. We would appreciate it. So. Right. When Dylan moved out when he was 17, what was that like at first? I know we touched on that a little bit, but what are some of your memories? Well, I mean, it was just life altering, just like it was, you know, Anderson moved out to go away to college a year and a half ago. Just like when you bring a baby home, just like when you have baby number two, you get a dog, all these things. These are life changing experiences And to go from, you know, when anyone leaves or enters your home, it changes the dynamic. But when someone is living there, like Dylan, even with his behaviors, but, you know, lots of times we should give Dylan a little bit more credit. Dylan is like, Dylan is electric. 
And they said that one time. It's a good adjective for Nolan. They said that one time at camp, and I still have the the little cardboard cutout that they did with a light bulb. And they said that Dylan lights up the cabin when he would be there for the weekend. And there is just something about his energy. As big as the challenges are, the reward is so there because he just brings so much life. He's hilarious. He um, is always up to something. So when that left our house... And also all the care that went along. I mean, think about it, whether I said it or not, he's a 17-year-old. So those of you that are listening that have teenagers, even boys, I never had a typical boy, so I don't know. But, you know, I highly doubt that you're even helping them with a shower or a bath when they're, I don't know when that ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even think at nine, eight or nine or 10 that they want you involved. But, you know, I've got this 16 and 17-year-old boy that... You know, we're either giving a bath or a shower. We're really doing everything. He could physically dress himself, but he would put on his clothes backwards or inside mm-hmm. out, maybe not wear underwear, maybe have the shirt, you know. So it was really helping with every single thing. He can't go in the kitchen and make a grilled cheese or a even, you know, really anything. He can open up the fridge and get out a drink. He can open up a bag of chips. He obviously can feed himself with a spoon, but he can't make any food. Mm -hmm. So when you think of what all is involved with that, and then you throw in the safety issues, and then that person just all of a sudden doesn't live there, it's like you really don't even know how to have, you really don't know what to do with yourself. Because before when he lived there, I would pay a caregiver to go to the gym for an hour. And... You know, some people would still give me an attitude about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I had a mom one time that went to uh, our church and she had three kids, typical kids. And I was at a birthday party one time with Anderson and I was at a birthday party with Anderson and I was paying a caregiver to watch Dylan. I forget what you had going on. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to stay at the birthday party. And it was like one hour they read Build-A-Bear. Mm-hmm. And I can remember losing my mind that I had one hour to myself. And this mom said when we came back to pick up the kids because she was left with her other two typical children. You know, what did you do? Some conversation like that. And I said, I went to the gym and she's like, oh, must be nice. Mm-hmm. And I it's. Look at me. I still remember this. And the girls were probably, I don't know if they were six or seven. And I wanted to say to her, must be nice to have had one hour to go to the gym. I paid someone to be with my severely autistic son. I thought it would have been nice to have two typical children that I could have walked around the mall with and went to Chick-fil-A and, you know, all these things that they were doing. But I mean, there's just, there was just always like such a stigma and, So, and again, I said on the last episode, I'm a sensitive person trying to learn in my old age, not to apologize for who I am, Mm -hmm. but you know, it was, it's still hard for me because when you raise a child with special needs, that pretty much defines you. Mm -hmm. That becomes your entire life. Right. And you mentioned earlier, there's a, um, there's a system when you raise children. There's a, pro- 
there's a normal progression mm -hmm. that as they get older, they're an infant, they're a toddler, they're in elementary school, they're in middle school, they're in junior high, they're in high school. Their needs change. You have to be worried about them driving a car or going out with their friends or getting their heart broke, all of these things. But you don't have to worry about them acting like a one-year-old or a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. So it was... <clears throat> It was and still is extremely difficult for me to occupy myself <laughs> when I'm not working or visiting Dylan or doing something for our family. Right. Long-winded answer to your no, question I, there. I think that's really good, and I'm glad you shared all that. And I think it's important because, you know, unless – I'm going to get off topic here too much, but unless you are a parent of someone with special needs – unless you've walked in those shoes, I think it's hard for other people to comprehend. And I don't think we're sharing the things we're sharing because we're looking for anybody's, you know, sympathy or pity, but it's more just to create awareness. And, you know, you never, you know, never assume, you know, what's going on with another family behind closed doors in their, in their home. Right. And right. I think that, until we lived it, you know, we both had pretty typical, normal upbringings. Like, we probably couldn't comprehend it. Right. We were probably ignorant to it. And we've had the opportunity to come in contact and meet so many other families that are out there that are living similar situations or even more severe situations than we did. And it's, it's shocking, you know, how common it really is. I think that it is hard for people and another thing and anything that I share is not, you know, I'm sure that the individuals didn't mean any, sure, you know, anything harmful or, but, you know, you just kind of take everything to heart. And even uh, I've had family members say to me, I have no idea how you do it with Dylan. And actually that's something that kind of gets a little under my skin because they'll say, I have no idea how you do it and I could never do it. And really, you're not given the choice. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you will do it because what else are you going to do? Give your child away? It's just something. So, I mean, and I've heard a lot of special needs parents say that same thing if anybody's listening. Right. So I don't think anybody's ever looking for pity. You know, the things I always look for are compassion, empathy, understanding. I do really hope that people take the chance to talk to their typical children. You know, we probably could have an episode on people like staring at Dylan. It'll be a good topic when we have Anderson come. Mm -hmm. We've been walking in our neighborhood recently on a Sunday and we've had um, neighborhood boys, you know, driving around in a golf cart, making fun of Dylan. Mm -hmm. And these were boys that were probably, I don't know, middle school. It's hard for me to judge anybody's age anymore. Mm -hmm. Middle school boys you know, laughing and making fun of Dylan for the way that he was talking. And so whenever I share stories, my number one goal is empathy, compassion, talking to your children about these individuals that are part of society. That's a little off topic. Absolutely. That's okay. <laughs> Good stuff. So let's get back to, we're talking about Dylan transitioning out of our home at age 17. So after he transitioned out, 
When was the first time we saw him after he left on that Friday? We waited to the following Sunday, and we met him and Kathy at Taco Bell in Struthers. Strutters. <laughs> Dylan calls it Strutters. And we he she took him to Taco Bell, and you and I and Anderson went there to see him. And, I mean, literally, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about anything in my entire life. And then we went back to his house. He mm-hmm. rode in our car. But we went back to, you know, Dylan's house and hung out for a little bit. And then that was kind of the start of the way that visits would go. You know, I would go over there to see him. I would take him his restaurant of choice, which is still kind of what we do to this day. Because for some reason, whenever I walk in the door and he did this at home, I can't just go over to visit him and just sit down on the couch and hang out. He wants to go somewhere the Mm -hmm. instant he sees me. But then when we get back home, he's very chill and I can hang out and kind of enjoy him. So that was the very first visit. And that kind of started the, I mean, we already talked about like Thanksgiving that year, but we even went over to visit him on Christmas. We went to him. He didn't come home on Christmas. But you mentioned Kathy. So Kathy was a caregiver that worked with Dylan when Dylan still lived in our family home and actually still works with Dylan today, five days a week, right? And so we were lucky enough to have her and I think a couple of, she was the primary caregiver, someone who Dylan was already familiar with in our family home, kind of do the transition with him into his new home. And, you know, to your point, just remembering that we met him, we didn't see him for over a week. And I think you talked about this in the last episode, but like you couldn't call Dylan on the phone or text Dylan, right? And see how he was doing. He just doesn't have that level of communication skills to be able to do that. And it actually annoys him. I've had a lot of people say, why don't you FaceTime him? Like if we're on vacation or something that like frustrates him because he doesn't understand, you know, even if I have him in the car and you call Mm -hmm. through the car, he, that he does not like that. So Dylan left on that Friday. You didn't have any contact with him directly to the following Sunday. We met at Taco Bell because I think we were told we should meet like at like a neutral place. Yeah. And then, you know, just deciding whose car does he ride back to his house. I mean, this was all stuff that we put a lot of thought into because, you know, no one truly knows how Dylan's mind works. Just for him to start to understand that, no, this is where you live now. And we are visiting. We are 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 visiting. And I mean, there was a lot of thought that went into all that. And Dylan is very good with directions. And he has a way to manipulate people to this is a story that I'm glad I didn't know at the time, but he had like a relatively new caregiver, maybe worked on the weekends and she would take him for rides. And um, the one time he was she was like listening to him, taking his directions until he got her almost all the way back to our house. Um, she figured it out at like Arby's or McDonald's, like in Canfield. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and this is all the way from, you know, Camel. Yeah, I think because I think we mentioned on the last episode, I mean, where he moved to was a good 25, 30 minute drive from where we lived, which was hard, especially after we would 
once we would start going visiting him more often to be that far away. And eventually we got him closer and we'll get to that. But it was also probably good at first because, you know, not only did he live that far away, but when caregivers were taking places, they would avoid kind of our town where we lived. It was a whole new setup. And anybody that knows Dylan or any stories, you know, he loves like the new Arby's, you know, that Arby's. I want he has like his own, you know, Dylan speak. And it's hard for caregivers to figure out, but they would take him to all of those fast food restaurants in Struthers, but he ultimately wanted to go to the ones in Canfield because he was trying to get back like closer to home, which to right. me is heartbreaking. Right. And I'm glad I didn't know it at the time. Right. You talk about Dylan speak. You talk about a whole episode. We could probably spend a whole episode on uh, translating, you know, what Dylan says. So what else about the those first couple of years when, when he was living in that house? What other what other stories do you remember? Because he did make progress, right? And we got into a routine and I mean, what else do you recall? Well, I mean, we did get into a routine of going there and visiting. So he moved in in March. You know, we did a lot of visiting. He um, started right away that summer coming to the lake. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was something that we implemented right away. So, and even to this day, every other weekend, I will pick him up and take him to our house up by Lake Erie. And then they, the agency will actually come pick him up the following day. Mm-hmm. And he lives for that. I mean, that's his, there's no caregivers. It's just us about 24 hours. So that was like a really nice, you know, saving grace. And then we had some serious discussions and I was not happy, um, but I got overruled. I wanted him home for Thanksgiving and Christmas that year. That would have been 2018. You'll have to check out our third episode where we talk about the holidays because we decided to spend Thanksgiving um, up at our lake house. And that's a pretty funny story. And then Christmas, we actually went to him, which I thought was really hard. I mean, I it'd probably be hard pressed to find a mom out there that doesn't, you know, secretly hope that all their children can be home for Christmas. I know that doesn't always happen for mm-hmm. many reasons, but I really wanted him to come home, but we did go to him and he actually did very well, better than I thought. And then just as the visits, you know, I like to see Dylan. I would like to see Dylan every day, but after talking to, you know, he was still going to school, to some of his behavior therapist and the agency and the neurologist. It's not really a good idea. It's actually selfish if I were to do that because, you know, Dylan needs to understand and start to build his own life. And if I'm traveling for work or I can't keep that schedule up, that would be upsetting. So really kind of the sweet spot is like that three to four times a week um, visiting him. So eventually you know, with that drive and we don't have to jump into this right now, but is when I tried to start talking you into buying him a house closer. So how long did Dylan live in that house that was March, 25 minutes away from us? He lived March, 2018 to December of 2020. So what led to him moving? Well, I mean, there was a lot of different things and it's not that, you know, I'm not... <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I have to be delicate. You don't need to I'm be not, delicate. We're, we're, well, we're all about being raw on this podcast. I'm not a fancy person, but I do like a very comfortable home. And that's the way Dylan grew up. I kept our house very like neat and, 
stylish and clean. And I didn't love where he lived. You and I would like argue about it. It was perfect for him. It was and, and Kevin would say to me, he's a 17-year-old boy, Amy. Do you know what my first apartment looked like? Do, do you, you know where I Do you I remember lived? what my apartment Slippery Rock was like? Yeah, I do remember. It was right. scary. It was very similar, I think. But it was now. also your choice, and you didn't live there very long. Right. And the biggest thing for me is not necessarily that, but the fact that it was the basement and there were no windows. And yes, Dylan could go upstairs, but Dylan likes to look out the window. And nobody really wants to live long term in one room. Right. So those were kind of some things coupled with the fact that he was too far away. Right. So I first obviously. So I, oh. I, I, I think we knew that. It wasn't a long-term solution. Right. Right. He wasn't going to live there forever. But there were a lot of things about it that worked well. Right. The distance, him having his own space in that house. So I think looking looking back, it was probably the perfect place to start. It was. But. It wasn't the long-term solution. Right. And I am just always looking for like the next. I always have a backup plan. I always have something on the horizon. And I wanted Dylan to have his own house, preferably with a roommate. The original plan was to have a roommate. And so I cleared it with Jimmy and Isle. Would that be okay? We would basically be so the landlords. Again, again, Jimmy and I, this is the agency Correct. that we worked through for Dylan's with Dylan's waiver for caregiver support. Yes. They were the agency that ran the house where Dylan first transitioned into. They're fantastic. They run the house. They have a house manager. And, you know, there's a shortage of houses in general, which not mm-hmm. to jump ahead to the nonprofit, but I said, you know, would we be allowed if we were to purchase a home? Could Dylan live there and you still run it? And, you know, maybe we put a roommate in there. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the beginning stages. And then it was to try to find a house. Mm-hmm. So. We decided to start looking and, you know, we were fortunate enough to be in a position to be able to do this for Dylan. So we got a, a good friend of ours who is a realtor um, that's helped us with some some things in the past. And we asked her to help us start looking for a house for Dylan that we would buy. And unfortunately, this was at a time due like to October. COVID and everything that well, I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, it was like October 2020. It was when houses were good. It was very hard to find a house. Right. Because real estate was still so cheap, right? Right. Because I don't know how many houses we looked at. I even think we made offers. Oh, we made like 10, ca- 10 offers, really good offers. And we didn't get any of them. None of them. And I was like so upset. Like, do, do they know that my son is autistic? Do they Are they not picking us? Because I just couldn't understand. And so finally, we actually found a house that was not up for sale, mm-hmm. that the individual living there was willing to move if she could find what she wanted. We entered an agreement with her, you know, really cute Cape Cod. I don't know. Are we, I mean, everybody know. you know, he's 10 minutes away. It's on the west side. It's in Cornersburg. It's adorable. And, you know, we love the house. Um, you know, windows, yeah, garden, describe, all the things. Describe the house. Well, now it's painted blue. Mm-hmm. So, um, which was not because of autism being blue. It was just because I like that color and Dylan liked that color. And 
Um, it actually turned out a lot more blue than I thought. I think you were, you know, I wanted kind of the dark grayish blue and it's blue, but it, it's grown on me and I love it. And Dylan loves it. You know, just needed, we just really lucked out. It's a three bedroom Cape Cod, great basement that Dylan can ride a scooter in. And if you listen to any of our previous episodes, Dylan is a scooter rider, an mm-hmm. indoor scooter rider. He is. And he just wants a space where he can make a circle You could give him the biggest driveway, parking lot, outside space, and he would pick an inside space where he could do a loop. So that was kind of important. Um, He has a bedroom downstairs. We did just a little bit of minor cosmetic work with one of our friends that has done a lot of handy work for us. Uh And he moved in right after Christmas. And 2020. And and what was his reaction to his new home and and how did that transition go? that was literally one of the best days ever because i had no idea so we you know we show up at his house again you know people think i'm a pessimist i didn't think it would go well because i thought he'd be confused and you know he was doing well so i got i drove him over i remember the couch was already in there and i pull in and we have like a moving truck and all the all the stuff all the boxes and everything and i pull in i had taken him there like a week before to look around and he really didn't, he was okay. He walked around, he sat on the bed a little bit, but the day he moved in, it was like, he knew he walked in, he sat down on the couch. He's like never been happier. He was putting puzzles together within like five or 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Never looked back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been an amazing transition to that house. Yep. And it really is the perfect set up for him that house i mean like you said he can ride a scooter in the basement he has a nice backyard fenced in he we did his, that he has his own garden he does so how does dylan feel about his garden so D- dylan has a garden which is actually mom's garden because mm-hmm. you know in typical dylan fashion like i go over there and he's got this shed where his patio furniture is and i'll go over and say all right dylan we're gonna get your patio furniture out and he goes okay and are you gonna help mom yep And then what does Dylan do? He sits, I move one chair, he sits on it and eats chips and watches me. And that's pretty much how the garden goes. (laughs) I do make him water the garden and he does love it once he gets started because he likes to squeeze the the handle on the hose and he'll just drown like one tomato plant. And I, you know, I can guide him around, but it's funny because he doesn't eat vegetables I don't know the last time a vegetable touched his mouth. No. But the caregivers really enjoy it. And, you know, because who doesn't love, like, some fresh produce? And he does love sitting on his deck. He really enjoys it. And his front porch, too, right? He loves his front porch. It's a small little, like, front kind of step with right. one chair. That's when, you know, if he if he does anything mischievous or devilish, I know he does have some behaviors that, you know, can be serious, but... One thing he really does on a regular basis is run out onto that front step and sit down on the chair. And it could be morning, night, snowing, raining, freezing cold. He doesn't care. Right. He thinks it's funny. And he has big picture window in the front room. So you mentioned him being in the basement where he was at before. Now he can sit on his couch and watch traffic go up and down the street. I know that there are... You know, and his house is, is in a neighborhood, right? So it's it's not, it's... I was worried about that, too. Why were you worried about that? I was worried that the neighbors, you know, because 
I mean, Dylan has the right to live in a home just like anybody else would, but I thought mm-hmm. that they would. I mean, there's been issues in other communities where people are, oh, I don't want a group home in my neighborhood. I don't want supported living, you know, by me. And Dylan has the best neighbors. They love him. And we have made that house. I have redone the landscaping, mostly on my own. I got to pat my own back. Um, It's nothing complicated. (laughs) Don't drive by and think it's going to be mind-blowing, but it's neat. And it's all the old landscaping is ripped out. And one of the neighbors across the street literally pulled in the driveway the one day and said, we love that he's here. I mean, Dylan's a great neighbor. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have parties. True. He doesn't have people over. He's in bed by like 8 o'clock every night. He's the perfect neighbor. He's a sweetheart. You know, there's one car in the driveway at a given time. He's got one staff that work with him. Right. Um, You know, there are plenty individuals that are, you know, elderly that have some care in their home. But for some reason... There's there are people out there. It's the stereotype. Like I nope, not going to have a group home in my neighborhood. Right. But that is not the case in Dylan's neighborhood. They are amazing people. And as you mentioned earlier, when we first bought that house and, and talked to the agency, you know there is an extra bedroom. So at first we thought, well, Dylan will have a roommate, or maybe I'll have a roommate. Right. We had a couple of starts and stops with that, and it just didn't work out. More. Not on Dylan's end, but on on the other individual's end. Right. Um, And it's still possible at at some point he could have a roommate. Yes. But I think it needs to be the right fit for both of them. But maybe just for the the sake of our listeners. So so Dylan has his own house, but he has a house manager and he has 24-7 caregiver support. So, So how does that work for someone that might not be familiar with that? Well, Dylan has a waiver through the state of Ohio, mm-hmm. and that covers the care. It is, you know, you have the right to choose the agency you want to use, and we have chosen Isle. Mm-hmm. And so they provide the care. We do have a unique situation because Kathy, that we've talked about, is an independent provider directly through the state of Ohio. And we worked this out as part of our transition deal with Jimmy Sutman and I all, you know, one for the sake of um, some continuity for Dylan, that Kathy would come over with him. And two, because this is a struggling issue, like a lot of industries, being a caregiver is an extremely difficult job. It is, it takes the right kind of individual. It's very, can be very trying and difficult. Dylan is not easy. 90% of the time, Dylan is a joy, but there's obviously that percentage when he's not a joy that this is a difficult job. Mm-hmm. So the house manager runs, you know, the schedule, the medication, the food shopping. The caregivers obviously work a shift and take care of Dylan. So Mm -hmm. typically, right now, Dylan goes to workshop during the day, which he loves, and Mm -hmm. he gets home about 2.30. He has staff with him until 10 o'clock at night. And then the night staff comes from 10 p.m. to 7 Mm a.m. And then it all starts over again in the morning, and they get him ready, and Dylan goes to workshop. And then the weekends, they run some shifts, something like 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., another 2 to 10, another overnight. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of work that goes into it. And then we do, you know, we take care of the house as far as, like, getting 
somebody to cut the grass, the maintenance, the, you know, whatever is needed there as far as the maintenance of the house. Mm -hmm. So how does it feel now to have Dylan less than 10 minutes from our house in his own home? I I mean, how has that worked out for, how do you think it's worked out for him? How's it worked out for you and our family? I think, I mean, first of all, it's amazing. It's the best case scenario that I could have hoped for. He still says, and you're going to argue with me, he still says every time I leave, you always come back, right, mom? And that can get me. And with him standing at the window watching me and, you know, to answer for Kevin, he says, oh, Amy, he just says that. He, you know, he says that. But, you know, we don't really know what's going through his mind. He also says, and this is the main reason we named the nonprofit, every day that I'm with him, he says to himself, he talks in the third person, I don't want to go back to Dylan's house. I don't want to go to Dylan's house. And I say every time, yes, you do, buddy. You love Dylan's house. That's where you live. Remember, you love it. And then he says to himself, you love Dylan's house, bub. That's where Dylan lives. And... I mean, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. He's happy. He watches me leave. He's laying yeah, anymore. He's downstairs riding his scooter before I back out of the driveway. I mean, that's what more could you want as a mom is your child to be happy and cared for. And he is. So I think that is a perfect place to end this episode on, on that note. Thanks again, everyone for listening and joining us. And Hopefully you'll tune in next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Welcome to Dylan's House was made possible by our partnership with Dandelion Inc. Follow our journey at Dylan's House on Facebook and TikTok. This is Dylan's House on Instagram. And learn more about us at dylanshouse.org. If you like our stories at Welcome to Dylan's House, please subscribe, like, and share.